the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. the Nick D podcast on the Radio Misfits podcast network. I am your host. I am your host with the most. Yeah, man. Uh, Nick DeGilio. That's me. How you doing? Welcome. It is episode number 69. Yeah, man. 69. Yeah, I'm three years old. I just made a 69 joke. Anyway, it's episode number 69. Uh, Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Spread the word. Tell your friends. Tell your neighbors. Tell your family. Tell your uh, jag off uncle who you don't like. I don't care. We just want people to listen. Subscribe. It's free. Radiomisfits.com, which, uh, in addition to my podcast, has a ton of amazing, varied, entertaining, informative, and unbelievably cool podcasts that you should listen to and check it out. We're available at Radiomisfits.com and everywhere, every single platform in the world where you get your podcasts. And please take the time to rate and review us on every platform. Please do. We want to hear back from you about what you think of the Nick D Podcast. Rate and review us on every platform. We got a voicemail line. We got an email line. We want you to give us your feedback. Email us. Voicemail us. The voicemail line is up 24-7. You can leave a question, a comment, anything you want to say, anything you want to leave to be part of uh, the podcast. We want to hear from you. Voicemail us 24-7-773-417-6948. Email us anytime you want. Questions, comments, anything. Feedback. Podcast at gmail.com. Again, email us now. Podcast at gmail.com. Voicemail us at 773-417-6948. My thanks to Jason Skaggs, who does all the music and uh, intros us every uh, every single uh, uh, episode. And uh, by the way, if you want to be a podcast uh, podcast sponsor, if you want to sponsor my podcast, and uh, it's a very popular podcast, stunningly, we reach you will reach a lot of people. Your business will uh, will pick up. Contact us now, sales at radiomisfits.com. If you want to be a sponsor, if you want to advertise with us, let us know, sales at radiomisfits.com. So there you go. It is episode number 69 right here on... Uh, on the podcast on Radio Misfits. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I oh, love Nick's show. I know you Hi, do. I'm Carrie Hi, Russell, Carrie. I'm Carrie Russell, I love Nick's show. I love you, too. Now, as I was saying, you can email us, nickdpodcast at gmail.com, and I got an email here, uh, one of many. Now, here's the deal. When you do email us or uh, give us a voicemail, 773-417-6948, we hear all of them. We listen to all of them, and we share many of them on the podcast, whether it be voicemail or whether it be email. Here's an email that we got. From Aaron in Wisconsin, who says, I have been a listener of yours going back to Gary Lee. That was back in the, man, I mean, 20-something years ago. 24, almost 24 years ago when I first started at the car wash at the idiotic uh, WGN. They teamed me up with this really cool guy named Gary Lee Wright. And uh, we did a show together called the Nick D and Gary Lee Show for many years. 
Uh, so that was a long time ago. So I, I thank you, Aaron. This is a long time ago. It says, I've been uh, a listener of yours going back to the Gary Lee days, and I was devastated when you got canned and ecstatic when I heard that you were starting a podcast. I am a 41-year-old guy who struggles with depression and wanted to thank you. Um, I just had the best day I've had in a long time, and it was directly based on the information about National Cinema Day that you provided. I spent all day seeing five films in a theater. For people who might not know, last Saturday was National Cinema Day, and in order to get people to go back to the movies, you know, after COVID and after, you know, it became easier to just stay at home and stream, and people aren't going back to the movies as much as they used to, and there's just not as many movies coming out. In an effort to get people to, to, you know, to get people inspired to go back to the movies, they did a whole day last Saturday where at major change throughout the country, it was $3 to see a movie, which is about 12 to 13 to $14 cheaper than it normally is. So that's a huge deal. It was 3 bucks to see the movie, 5 bucks for concessions, and it was an overwhelming success, and hopefully that will get people more comfortable going back to movies, and they will go back to the regular prices that you can see movies at. But it was 3 bucks to see a movie. So Aaron took advantage of that because we were talking about it, Esmeralda was talking about it, um, and he said, um, I spent all day seeing five films in the theater, two of which I never would have seen um, or even heard of if it wasn't, if it wasn't for your show. 3,000 Years of Longing is probably the best film I've seen in a decade, and your recommendation was the only reason I knew to see it. So thank you very much for that service that you provided. And I will leave you with this. Here's to swimming with bow-legged women. A great fan, Aaron in Wisconsin. Apparently, Aaron also went to go see Jaws uh, in IMAX or in 3D because that's a famous line from Jaws. Um, yeah, 3,000 years of longing. Hey, Aaron, thank you for seeing it because nobody else is seeing it. And it is absolutely one of the greatest movies of this year. The great George Miller directed it. It's an astonishingly, deeply moving and uh, profoundly uh, beautiful film uh, with uh, Idris Elba and Tilda Swinton, uh, George Miller, the, the genius behind the Mad Max movies. Uh, and this is as far removed from Mad Max as you can get. But it is an incredible, beautiful film. It's called 3,000 Years of Longing. And I hope some people did go out and see it when it was 3 bucks. And Aaron, I'm glad you found it just as deeply moving as I did. And, uh, and thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for subscribing. And thank you so much for going way back to 20-something years ago uh, for being a fan. That means way, way too much to me. I, I seriously, and I mean that. Whenever I hear feedback from you guys saying that you've been listening to me since like the late 90s and all that time when I was working over at the Idiotic WGN, um, I thank you for that. And I thank you for subscribing. And again, spread the word. The more listeners, the more subscribers we have, the more fun that we will have and the longer we can keep this going. So anyway, thank you for that. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you for your emails and your voicemails. Coming up on the show, oh my God, Stephen Tobolowsky. Yes. Steven Tobolowski, the one, the only, one of the greatest characterizers on the planet. He's been in 8 million movies. Oh, my God. Thelma and Louise, uh, Sneakers. He was a regular on the reboot of One Day at a Time. He was in Glee. He's been in a ton of movies, of course. Needle Nose Ned. Bing! From Groundhog Day. He's also one of the greatest people ever. He's a good friend of mine and a friend of the uh, podcast's was a regular on my old show at the car wash, and now he's a regular here. The guy's got a million stories. He's got a great podcast. He's an amazing dude, one of my favorite people, and he's kind enough to join me pretty regularly. One of the greatest actors in the world, the great Stephen Tobolowsky, is going to be with us right after uh, I say congratulations. And then after that, the wonderful Esmeralda Leon is going to join us. We're going to talk about scary facts. And then like some of the weirdest real laws that exist. We started talking about this a little bit. Uh, uh, weird laws a little bit on the last uh, episode that Esmeralda and I were together and we're going to continue talking about and these are real ridiculous laws and we're going to talk about breaking laws and all kinds of stuff so that's Esmeralda coming up and uh, that's what's coming up on the uh, on the podcast today and we thank you for being a part of it 
We hope you have fun. And the one, the only, the magnificent Stephen Tobolowsky will be joining me after I say congratulations. Congratulations. You're about to listen to the Nick D podcast. It's by far the best decision you've made today. It makes the other podcasts seem like crap. Oh, yeah. Don't be a jackal. He was named the head of Stephen Tobolowski. Did you hear what I just said? Stephen Tobolowski. Whistling belly button trick. Stephen Tobolowski. Bing! Stephen Tobolowski. Bing again! Stephen Tobolowski. Stephen Tobolowski. That's a doozy! Stephen Tobolowski. And there it is. The wonderful Jason Skaggs, and there's that you can't you can't do any you can't have any guest on uh, other than at that after that than Stephen Tobolowski. <laughs> hi, Stephen. Hi, hi, Nick. And uh, you know, again, I'm floored by the Stevie Ray licks kind of at the end. Yeah, yeah. It it just is such a masterful piece of work, and uh, right, rightly so. You can't really play that before anyone else, or they right. would be angry. Right? <laughs> no, they would be. be they would be angry. This is a, yeah, so. Uh, but that's the great Jason Skaggs, who does all the themes and uh, you know all the music and all the gracie, goofy sound and stuff like that. He adds immeasurably to the show. And I'll tell you something, Stephen. Uh, he he's uh, he's a great guy. You know why? He's incredibly talented, and he works for free. I can't pay him. Oh so, no! Yeah, <laughs> that's great. He did that for nothing, Stephen. He did. Will that for he nothing. mow my lawn? Can I get him out here? You know what? He loves you so much. I wouldn't be surprised if he would come out and mow your lawn. Stephen Tobolowski, how are you, sir? I am doing good, Nick. Always good. Always good to hear your voice on the other end of the line here. Me, oh. Same here. Same here. It's always great. And uh, we were talking a little bit before we started recording here that you and I have been friends and you have been a frequent contributor and guest to anything that I've done over the years, radio and now podcast, for since 2005, I think. It's been yeah. that long. I think we're getting on 20 years. Do I, do I have to get you anything? I mean, do I have to? Is there a gift at 20 I, the years? Gift, the gift for me, and I'm not joking around, the gift for me is you appearing on my podcast and my shows. Oh. That's, a, that's enough for me. That's a gift. It I is. love it. Uh, going all the way back to Stephen Tobolowsky's birthday party, which is right. uh, such and, a great and we were, film. I was, in, I was in New Orleans, and we started talking late at night, but we ended up finishing early in the morning. <laughs> we mean, did. We talked for like three hours. We did. The, and we, the, yeah, go ahead. Just old theater stories, yeah, like crazy theater stories that we both had, and we were both on the floor just with all the horrible things that uh, we have endured over the years. Doing theater. There are so Doing many th- crazy stories. Uh, sets falling apart, audience members getting a little bit too much, uh, staggered. At one show uh, we, that took place in a bar, uh, people got a little carried away. One guy vomited on himself and crossed across the stage and went to the bathroom and while we were in the middle of the production. <laughs> and I will say this, I did say that I was, I was in that show as well. I co-wrote it and directed it and I was in it. And, uh, and this guy was loaded and he woke up, he passed out in the, in the theater, woke up and we were, it's a very small house. So, so this is one of those houses, uh, Stephen, where the, the theater 
where the audience is basically lit as well. And I, well, in both ways, in this case. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, you know, you can see the audience because it's such a small theater. It's such a small house. You can see the audience. And this guy was passed out. And we saw him, the rest of us on stage. It's, the, the play was about six guys in a bar chatting. Um, we saw this guy kind of passed out. Uh, and then he woke up. And I knew it was trouble because, you know, Stephen, like if you're, you drink so much, you pass out. When you wake up, it, it's one of two things. It's either going to be bad news or good news. And it's usually, I'm going to puke. That's usually. Yeah, 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 usually. Yeah. So he kind of wakes up and he vomits all down the front of his shirt and he climbs <laughs> over the, the front two rows. He's in the fourth row. He climbs over the front two rows, walks across the stage, and the, the bathroom was located in the back, but uh, the, the set was, the, was a bar. And so in order to go to the bathroom, you would have to go through the set through the fake front door of the bar. So, so basically, it looked like he walked into the bar and walked out the front door after vomiting on himself. And he walked out, staggered across the stage, and the audience didn't know what to do and everything. It was really quiet. And I was really pissed because I directed the show, too, so I was really angry. Um, and so he walked off the stage, and I turned to the guy who played the bartender, and I went, Jesus Christ, you overserved him. Got a huge laugh. Huge laugh. <laughs> so, Whoa. Yeah. Uh, now, th- that is... You know, I would think when someone vomits all over on the front of themselves in front of a paying audience that there's no coming back from that one. But it, but that was, you know, laughter is the ticket that will yeah. bring you back at least temporarily. Have you ever had anybody just walk on stage, Stephen? Just walk on stage? Yeah, just kind of, you know, because, I mean, it was a small house. This guy was loaded, and he just kind of staggered out to go to the bathroom and just walked across the stage. No, it wasn't, no. It, it was not a thrust stage, you know what I mean? It was, it, so it's not, it wasn't, you didn't have to climb up. The stage was on the, on the floor, and the, the, the seats surrounded it. So. I, I, I was in uh, Arsenic and Old Lace, and one of the uh, older people, this was at SMU, one of the older people in the show was a professor, uh, at the school, and they cast him as as this part, and he apparently had a drinking issue, which no one was really aware of mm-hmm. until we started performing the play in front of people. <laughs> and he got loaded off stage and then would start wandering across the stage at various points, uh, you know, just amble across the stage look at right. the audience and the audience was laughing hysterically because they thought at first it was part of the show right. but then when they saw that we were trying to usher him right. off the stage so the yeah. play could continue it became an issue but that's the only time we ever right. had a a kind of wandering minstrel going right. across the stage dude, clearly yeah. it's like dude that's not your blocking what the hell are you doing <laughs> what, yeah what no. are you doing <laughs> yeah well no. there's so many stories that uh, that you can tell about God. theater it's so many horrible so crazy it's horrible stories. Uh, but you mentioned um, Stevie Ray Vaughan, and one of the uh, listeners, um, I guess, uh, you know, I, I think it was episode, you were the last episode you were on here was episode 37. Uh, so if people want to go back to that. But you did talk about you working with Stevie Ray Vaughan, and that was one of the, when I, when I was mentioning on, on my uh, social media that you were going to be on uh, this episode, they were like, hey, uh, does he have any Stevie Ray Vaughan stories? And you told a couple of great Stevie Ray Vaughan stories, so people can go back to episode 37 to hear that. But indeed, you got to see him at a very young age before anybody knew who he was. Right, right. He, he was 14, and I, we, we knew the Vaughan brothers. We knew Jimmy and Stevie played guitars. Uh, they were kind of neighborhood kids that were more advanced than we were. We were, we were out in the creek looking for snakes and lizards and spiders, but they were— 
tuning up their guitars and wanting to play in groups and wanting to be rock and roll stars, which they became, which is amazing when you think about it. Coming from Oak Cliff, those two guys in that family became major rock and roll stars. And Stevie was 14 when he played when when he played on our two songs mm-hmm. and 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 he <laughs> we were certainly way beneath his pay grade but but the thing about Stevie Ray for me the the lasting memory for me always and it was important Nick and it, it just like the theater stories of the drunks crossing the stage it stays with you for life it was the first time in my life I ever saw a genius yeah and I didn't know what genius really was. You know, we all know oh, at school Einstein was a genius or, you know, Beethoven was a genius. You know, we, we don't know what it is, but when you see it in real life, it has this incredibly, it, it, it changes you like fire. Mm-hmm. It, it, it reshapes you. And when I saw Stevie playing and then the other grownups in the recording room, the the fellow who was recording our songs and recording his Stevie's uh, solos, calling in all the other engineers and people working at the studio, look at the look through the glass and see this. You've got to see this. This is yeah. the one time you're going to see this in this particular studio in Dallas, Texas. This crummy, <laughs> this yeah. crummy little studio where yeah. we're we're recording the cast of thousands who usually sing Michael Row the Boat Ashore. Right. Y- you know, here you have Stevie Ray doing this, and it affected me in my life to where from that point on, I knew that there was this thing called genius, and I knew it could change people out there. And I always sought it out, uh, whether going to the symphony or going to theater or working with people in films, you know, you always sought it out looking for it again. And that was the big lesson to me of Stevie Ray Vaughan, really the first real, real genius. And the Jimmy Jimmy and Stevie had had a rift apparently Mm. uh, somehow in their life. And when Jimmy and I were doing Great Balls of Fire in Memphis, Many, 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 many years after we did the Cast of Thousands recording, right. and Stevie was already a big star, Jimmy and I would get completely loaded at uh, Kiva Recording Studios, and we basically had the keys to the place because uh, we were doing the Jerry Lee Lewis story in Memphis, and Kiva right. was one of the big studios there. So he said, you guys do whatever you want. And so we would hang out there and record our own songs, and uh, Trey Wilson recorded all of his songs. Oh, uh, oh. You remember Trey? Oh yeah. oh, yeah. Trey Wilson. He recorded all of his songs. And this is, this is like an incredibly freaky thing. Uh, great actor. Oh. Uh, he was in uh, Raising Arizona. Right? Raising Arizona. I don't know. They had Yodas on him and shit, uh, is what he says about the, when they're like, describe your child's pajamas after one of the babies is stolen. <laughs> Right. I don't know. They had Yodas and shit on them. Yeah. <laughs> I love Trey. Great, great, amazing. Great actor. character actor. Yeah. So he partook of the whole thing of, of the Kiva recording studios, too, of just hanging out and recording all of his songs. And I remember I was, uh, let me see. I, I, uh, my computer just went dark. Oh, but I, I I'm don't here. think it matters. Oh, yeah. There you go. Okay. Uh, 
it it was the last day of shooting, and it was it Jim McBride directed that movie. Jim McBride directed yeah. it, okay. and I was. It was one of the unique films of my career in that I shot the first day of the film, I shot the last day we were in Memphis, and I shot the last day and the first day we were in London. So I was there the entire, entire, entire run of the film. So I had finished shooting my part the very last day, and i going out to my car, and Trey is out there with, a big box of something in the parking lot. I said, where are you going, man? What, what, what you got? You going to help you? Cause he was off to do uh, a movie in new Orleans, uh, mm. Miller's crossing. He was out to another, do Miller's crossing. Yeah. Another, another uh, Cohen, Cohen just, yeah. he was going to drive from Memphis down to new Orleans is what he was doing. So we had this big box of recording stuff. I go, what's this? He goes, these are all my songs. These are all the songs I've ever written, and I recorded them in Kiva. So what I'm going to do is, this is the deal. I'm going to Kiva, and I'm going to put these in the studio, uh, just in one of the shelves of the studio there where we recorded. And then I'm going to drive down to New Orleans and uh, do Miller's Crossing. And then I'm going to drive back and get my songs. It, it didn't work out exactly that way. Uh, I came back to Los Angeles and... We were going to be in L.A. for about three weeks and then go to London to complete Great Balls of Fire. Right. And in the interim, we got to London. Annie and I, uh, we got to London, and we got the news that Trey had, out of nowhere, he had a headache, needed to lie down. He went went back to, I believe, visit his wife in New York for a weekend. He he flew back uh, from New Orleans, flew back. And passed away. Yeah, had an aneurysm. Yeah, and and died in bed just like that. And yeah. we were all in Memphis, and we were wrecked, and it was horrifying because, uh, I, <laughs> Trey, Trey had already shot his half of the phone call with me, in, in Memphis. Okay, and I had to shoot my part of the phone call with him, in London. And Trey was gone, and so the entire crew was in tears as they were playing back the playback of Trey and me doing and me doing my part now of of the phone call with him in Great Balls of Fire, and it was both amazing that we were seeing Trey on film, but heartbreaking that we were seeing Trey and he was gone. And after we shot the scene, we all went to a hotel room and we sat on the floor. Dennis Quaid, Jim McBride, we all sat on the floor. We're all holding hands. We were all praying for Trey. And uh, we connected with his wife in New York on phone and saying, we're having this vigil and we're remembering Trey. And she said, she said, the only regret I have is that his songs are gone. You know, mm. no one will ever know uh, all the songs Trey wrote. Oh. And I'm going like, wait, wait a minute. They exist. Yeah. And and she goes, what? I ran into Trey in the parking lot. He has a box of, re- of these recorded songs at Kiva Recording Studios in Memphis. There's a box of all of his songs, everything he ever had. She went to Kiva. She got the box oh. and she ended up. And it was just... The fluke that oh. I had run into him on the way to his Isn't car, on his amazing. way gone. So she got 
the gift of Trey songs. Finally, just amazing. It's amazing. That's incredible. It's amazing. Yeah. For people for people who might not remember him really quickly, um, he's been in a bunch of stuff. Uh, uh, he was in Twins, and he was in. I think most people would re- remember. I mean, you know, I mean, he played he played Sam Phillips in Great Balls of Fire for God's sake. But <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But but he was the the FBI director in Married to the Married to the Mob, the uh, Jonathan Demme movie. <laughs> yeah. And he, I maybe people would mostly remember him as the co. He's just, he was the skipper in uh, uh, Bull Durham. That's the one that I think most people would would possibly yes. remember from outside of Raising Arizona. A tremendous yeah. character actor died way too young, but that's a beautiful, that's an amazing story. So his songs amazing. exist now. His wife has them. That's awesome. Yeah, it was it was, and only by a fluke, only yeah. by a fluke. I, it, it's one of my themes, which you well know, Nick, is that we're always dealing with incomplete information, and it it's it's what gives life mystery. It's what gives life wonder, but it's also very frustrating yeah. because we could almost never know the truth. And just by luck, I happened to be Isn't going out amazing. to my car when he was, and she she ended up getting the songs because that of amazing? that. Wow, what a great amazing. story. How the hell did we get to that story, Stephen? We didn't even... <laughs> just, we see, this, is what I, this is what I'm saying, man. Every time I talk to you, we divert, and then suddenly you tell a masterful story, and that's one of them. Oh, that's unbelievable. God. Um, so much great stuff. Uh, but let, let's, let's talk a little bit about what, uh, another thing is another listener said, um, that they love you. And I don't, I don't know what to make of this, uh, s- subscriber, Stephen. <laughs> yeah. But they love you, especially in single white female. So I don't know what that says about them. <laughs> um, oh. but I too love you in that movie. And I love that movie. Uh, is there, this is, this is from the, from a subscriber who loves you in, in single white female. Do you have a quick single white female um, story? And this is the one with Bridget Fonda and Jennifer Jason Lee. Uh, Barbe Schroeder uh, directed that, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I Barbe Schroeder did. And yeah. and here's here's one thing, uh, Barbe Schroeder. We rehearsed. You know, you never really rehearse a movie, but Barbe Schroeder rehearsed the movie like you rehearsed a play. We right. rehearsed for a week in order, and we were going to shoot in sequence. Wow, which you never do in a movie. Right, just and and it taught me a lesson like it really doesn't matter in film if you do it in sequence or not because you're never really doing it in sequence like a play right. it still doesn't have the cumulative effect a play can have on you when you do it but of course one of my classic stories of single white female was when bridget fonda had to knee me in the groin mm-hmm. uh when i'm attempting to to rape her. Right. And so I'm grabbing Bridget and she whispers to me, could you put your hand under my blouse? And she was wearing this kind of cut through dress and pinch my nipple really hard because I hate that. (laughs) And I go, thank God for method actors. (laughs) Bridget, Bridget was absolutely made, and so Annie came to the set with me that day. Oh, of course she uh, did. To see, yeah, to see the to see the scene, right. and Bridget had to knee me in the groin, and uh, <laughs> and we did, you know, all these takes, and Bridget always came, oh, 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 within a soupçon, within a soupçon of an inch, of a right. fraction of it. Whoa, <laughs> you know, just so close. Yeah. Right. And Annie came up and whispered to Bridget. She says, I want him home intact. 
And it was one of the most skillful, masterful uses of their body that I've ever seen uh, in my life. Uh, she never, never connected with me once, and we she must have need me 20 or 30 times and never got me, but it looked like it every time. Yeah. Certainly scared the daylights out of me. Yeah. And I, I had just done uh, a movie just a couple months ago called Pool Man, mm -hmm. and uh, Jennifer Jason Lee was in it. Oh, and no Jennifer, kidding. No kidding. Nice. And yeah. Jennifer was in the makeup chair, and, and she says, Stephen, uh -huh. do you remember me? I said, remember you? Uh, and then I used some bad words. I said, you killed me. Yeah. You murdered me. And she <laughs> yeah. laughed because, of course, a single white female, Jennifer Jason Lee, does yeah. murder me she by does. shooting me in the head. Yeah. Uh, boy, I love her, man. She's one of my favorite actresses on the planet. I yes. just, I adore everything she does. Well, well, you mentioned it. So you, you what, tell me about Pool Man. Now, I also know that Chris Pine is in this, and he's been making a few headlines lately because of the premiere of uh, um, the film uh, uh, Don't Worry Darling, um, right. which he is in, and there's been a, a weird gossipy controversy around that surrounding the director and Harry Styles and France, Florence Pugh and all that other crap. But you worked with Chris Pine. Uh, Chris on this wrote movie. this. Oh, he, he did? Wrote I didn't it. know that. He, he wrote, wrote it, it with his writing partner and he directed it. No and, kidding. Wow. And so I get this script. <clears throat> My agent said there's interest in you in this movie uh, called Pool Man. Chris Pine is directing and starring in it. At that point, I did not know he was also writing it. And Will you? I, I said, well, send me, send me the script, you know, because the play is the thing. You know, let me just read it. I read the script. <clears throat> yeah. It was, I'm, I'm, my throat has got a frog in it because of the cat on the desk. Oh, right. Well, you it, might, well, let's explain that really quick to the, to the listeners. Uh, that it's, it's about 150 degrees in L.A. as we speak. It's been hot. Yes. And you have to shutter up the windows. And so that means your cat. It doesn't really have the windows to climb into, so he's next to you. He's next to me. He's right next to me, and yeah. uh, he's looking at me with enormous guilt now <laughs> as I'm petting him. But he is a vile, vile creature, and <laughs> I, I do, I do end up coughing whenever I'm near this cat. <laughs> what, what's the cat's name? Uh, Kashmir. Kashmir. Okay, so Kashmir yeah. the cat is a vile creature. <laughs> yeah, he he's a rescue cat. He, okay. he he and his brother Finn are rescue cats, and they're they're both useless. <laughs> they're both. <laughs> I mean, some people have cats that jump in your lap and you pet them. These guys just shred the furniture up. You know, yeah. it's like, and and they give us all hives and yeah. allergies. Well, so but that explains if you, if there's a little bit of clearing of the throat and coughing a little bit, it's because yeah, Kashmir is a vile creature. <laughs> just forgive forgive me. But anyway, Chris sent me this script, and I read it, and it is, I thought, fantastic. And it was, <clears throat> it, it reminded me of early Robert Altman. Ooh, okay. You know, very kind of reality, but uh, kind of turned reality a, a little bit on its head. And it was funny, and it was dark, and really kind of amazing. And... The part that they wanted me to read for was Stephen Tagaroski. <laughs> I'm going, what? And I'm reading this. I'm going, what? Head of the L.A. City Council, Stephen Tagaroski. And I'm going, wait, 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 wait. 
I mean, is, <laughs> do I have to call a lawyer? <laughs> What's going on here? I mean, they just substituted the, the B for a, a G, right. you know, and, you know, they moved a few vowels around it. And, and, and so I'm reading the script and I'm going like, and I call up my agents and I said, well, I definitely want to have a meeting about this. This is one of the best scripts I've read in years. Yeah. It, it really was unlike anything else I, I've ever read. And it was funny and moving and sweet and gosh. And so I had a meeting with Chris and, and uh, the producer and, it, and the meeting I thought went very well. And we talked a lot about the part and the, the way the arc of the part was. And then I heard nothing. And I heard nothing. And then I got a call from my agent. I'm going, this is it. Uh, about a week later, he goes, Stephen, I have good news. You're still in the running. <laughs> still in the running for Stephen Tagarowski? It's, it's, like, it's like, just let me have the part or at least yeah. change the name. Yeah. You know, change the name to somebody else. But so so we we shot this movie and we shot it. Oh, man. During COVID, we shot it downtown Los Angeles and in all the the places of L.A. And I, I can't tell you too much about it because there are a lot of delightful and very strange surprises in the movie that I think you'll be delighted by. But it it is one of those movies that could either be just magnificent or people will go like, what, what is this? Yeah. That it's, you know, like. I'm, I'm looking at the cast right now. Yeah. Um, look Danny at the cast. Danny DeVito. It's, you already mentioned Jennifer yeah. Jason Lee. Danny DeVito. Annette Benning, Ray Annette. Wise. Yes. Ray Wise. I mean, my God, what, a, what, a, what incredible people that you got to work with. Yeah. I mean, it was amazing. And. You know, Chris wanted to do lots of improvisation, which we did. Oh, and, man. And you never... And I was just in hysterics laughing at the scenes with he and Danny DeVito. I can it's, imagine. It, yeah. And the the kind of... I could give you the framework of the movie is that it kind of takes place in a dystopian present future of Los Angeles where mm -hmm. there is incredible heat and drought and water so, police so not every... To not too, not too different. Not too far. <laughs> you, you know, they have w signs up, you know, this means you, you know, no water to be used, no water to be used. And Chris Pine plays this pool man right. who has no pools to clean because the <laughs> pools are all empty. So he, and, you know, he's staying out by this motel where he's kind of staying with his sometime girlfriend. And he has these kind of visions that maybe you have, if uh, you're schizophrenic or something. Right. And, and Chris says he likes to think of it kind of as his version of being there, and he plays the Peter Sellers role. Sure, yeah. So he has some sort of thing where he keeps having these visions, these, these images keep coming to his mind, and he can't make sense of them, and he keeps going to his therapist, to try to, what does this mean? And he, he's trying to put the pieces together. But then what happens as we begin to watch the movie, unbeknownst to him or anything, we start to see the signs that were from his dream that he mentioned before. And it creates this suspense of, wait a minute, wait a minute. He mentioned before he had this dream, like 20 minutes ago, he mentioned he had a dream of a knight in armor. Wait, wait, wait. 
there, there's the night in the hallway mm. here. Mm. And the audience starts seeing the images from his dream, and it all culminates uh, to the ending. So there is a great deal of suspense, and there's a great deal of comedy, and there is a great deal of heart in it. And, you know, if any of it translates to the film, like, like I said, just watching Danny DeVito, I was in tears. Yeah. at his scenes. It was just so funny. Annette Benning is fantastic. Yeah. You know, everybody has a turn, and I, I do have a fairly unique part in, in this movie. Uh, never done this before on film. So this, if you're a Tobo fan, you will really love Pool Man. Okay, and I can't wait. Do we know, is there any sort of release date or any anything on I that I just yet, got or? a t-shirt this week, Pool Man 2022. <laughs> oh, so I think they're so trying be this to do year. it quickly. Oh, I'm okay. hoping this year. Okay, all right. Now, we'll did, see. did you find out, was the name inspired by you, uh, What, what of the name of the character? And, and 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 here's the other question. The name is so close. The last name is so close. Because Tobolowsky is not a name that you can, like, screw up. You don't. Right. People don't write, you know, it's not like Smith, you know. So when someone sort of takes one letter and variates it that closely, um, you know, you're like, okay, this clearly signs of my name. So the question is, did they kind of, did Chris have you in mind? And also the big question is, is your character an asshole? That's the <laughs> uh, answering the second question, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it, man. But. For a reason. There are reasons why I am an asshole. But Chris and I worked on a movie together many years ago and with uh, Jane Seymour. Uh, her husband at the time, James Keach, directed it. Uh, and I believe it was called Blind Driving or Driving Lessons, Blind Guy Driving. They kept changing the name of the mm -hmm. movie. Mm -hmm. But Chris plays someone who's blind and he wants uh, to feel ownership of his life and by doing this he wants to learn to drive and so chris and i did this movie in utah we did this movie in utah in ogden utah okay and uh jane seymour was my love interest in this movie Ooh, okay yes indeed and uh <laughs> and i and i arrived at the opinion that james keach and jane seymour at the time had to be the richest people on earth they're the richest people I ever met. I don't, I'm sure she had a big piece of Dr. Quinn medicine woman. Yeah. You know, she owned it or something, but she had a castle in England. And when we were shooting in Ogden, Utah, Ogden, Utah, mm -hmm. I'm sitting at lunch with, with Chris and we're, we're, you know, we're having our lunch. And then James Keach is walking across the street into where we're having lunch. And I go, oh, what, what were you up to? You know? <laughs> Did you find a better place to take a leak than over here? And he's he's got no, I I just bought the building across the street. I said, What? And and I have to explain this building is not like a, a hobby shop. You know, this building was like a ten story office building, a lot like from fifty years ago, like in Ogden, Utah. Right. This huge ten story building. And I said, You bought the building? Why did you, why did you buy the building? And then he said, with all seriousness, well, Stephen, I'm a huge fan of minor league baseball, and the Ogden team plays right on the other side of that building. And from the rooftop of that building, I could see all the games for oh, free. Oh, my God. 
I'm saying, but you have to be in Ogden. <laughs> it's not free. You have to get a plane ticket from Los Angeles to Ogden, Utah, to sit on top of your building that you just paid millions for to watch the baseball game. Why not just come to Salt Lake City, take in take in the church or whatever you want to see there, uh, eat some of the fine at some of the fine cafeterias in Salt Lake, yeah. and then drive out to Ogden and watch some minor league games for a week. No, 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 no. So I just assumed they were the rich. But <laughs> I'm getting off the point. Chris <laughs> began writing at this time, and he said that he put in the script Stephen Tagaroski because he wanted me to, his image was me playing this part. Mm -hmm. uh, so, But, you know, just as a writer, you don't know, and as a producer and director, you don't know if you're going to get the actor you want. But he wanted it as a kind of a footnote as a writer to remember, just kind of remember my voice or yeah. remember this and put it in there. And if you have to get somebody else to play it, you get someone else to play it. But I right. tell you, it was... That's one great. of the real joys of my life to do Pool Man. It was. That's it great. was. Well, I just hope it turns out incredible well. Incredible cast, written and directed and starring Chris Pine. Can't wait to see it. Uh, Fabulous. Whose, whose father, by the way, uh, famously Robert Pine, terrific yeah. actor, was in Chips. People might remember him uh, from Chips. So uh, second generation uh, actor, writer, director there. But Pool Man. Yeah. And you got a T-shirt that says 2022. So I'm saying we still got, uh, what do we got, four months? We got, we got time, man. Yeah, it, it, all right. It could come out this year, I hope, I hope. <laughs> all right. Um, all right. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about, I mean, there's so many things to talk to you about, uh, things that you're working on. So you got Pool Man uh, that's, in, that's coming out. Well, you were in uh, the magnificently wonderful, so good, where the hell did that come from? reboot of one day at a time which when you yeah. sometimes when you hear reboot you go Ugh. Yeah. and sometimes you know you go oh boy and then it's like one day at a time i'm like oh man i don't know why would you do that and then it turned out to be unbelievably great and such a wonderful different take on it um a different focus on it and you ended up uh being a part of that and you were wonderful on it and you got to work with the incredible rita moreno for god's yes. sake yeah, I got to be her almost love interest. Yeah, and then that means that you got to work with Norman Lear. Norman Lear, who turned 100 this year, 100. Yeah. Uh, they're having a 100th birthday party, which you've been invited to. Tell me a little about, about how excited it must be, excited you must be to be going, because you're going, what, tonight or tomorrow or something like that? Yeah, too. tonight. Tonight, tonight I'm going to Norman's 100th birthday party. Yeah. And, but, but this, Nick, this is the thing that's like science fiction. You, you never know what matters in your life now in in my books you know uh I, I think especially dangerous animals club but also also my adventures with god i talk about growing up in oak cliff and oak cliff was you know where i caught snakes and spiders and all that stuff and it was a very delightful place to grow up a lot of wonderful people but also it was a pretty dastardly place to grow up and uh there was a lot of meanness there too under the surface uh just to begin with from my point of view uh it was what you call a white flight area mm. now that means no black people lived in oak cliff and i don't know if there were laws against it or if it just they made the price of the whatever impossible i'm, I'm not sure why now curiously it was not against people of color because we had on our block a Native American Indian, we had Puerto Rican, we have Mexican, we have all sorts of 
uh, th there was nothing against Asians, but it was specifically black people. And, and uh, I remember one of the things I mentioned in one of my books, very much like seeing Stevie Ray Vaughan in Genius, was I was five years old at Jefferson Davis Elementary School. That mm. was the name of the school, oh, Jefferson man. Davis. Yeah, okay. President of the Confederacy. Yeah. And uh, one of the kids in our block, Mike Fernelli, uh, who was, you know, sweet kid, uh, some kids had gathered around him and were throwing rocks at him. And they were calling him the N-word, mm -hmm. I'll say. That. But, but you know, that was before people had the uh, courtesy to say N-word. Yes. So they, they were yelling at him, you know, calling him a nigger. Yeah. And uh, Mike was covering his hands. They, were, they weren't throwing pebbles. They were throwing rocks. And he was crying, and he was saying, but I'm not a nigger. I'm Italian. Mm -hmm. And one of the kids in front throwing the rocks said, doesn't matter. You're all we've got. Oh, wow. And he started throwing the rocks again. It was that kind of meanness that I saw when I was five. Right. And I responded to it the same way I responded to Stevie Ray Vaughan saying, you see this? You don't ever forget this. Yeah. Because this yeah. is as black as the human yeah. soul gets. Yeah, yeah. Is, is this meanness. Uh when I was a kid, you know, a young teenager, suddenly this show All in the Family came on in, yeah. in, in our town. And I'm looking at it. I'm going like, that is what I grew up in. You have Carol O'Connor playing, you know, this bigotry that he had learned and was carrying on. You had Edith, you know, who was a representative of innocence and goodness. Yeah. It, and, and you have, I said, this was the dichotomy I grew up with. And I'm watching this and it was funny. And it had wisdom to it. And it had hope to it. And as a kid who was a teenager, a young teenager, I'm thinking like, wow, what yeah. I experienced here, there's an answer to it. And right. part of the answer is art. And part of the answer is humor. And part of the answer is some kind of wisdom that was required to write all in the family and then the jeffersons and all of these right so when i was growing up norman lear was a very before i knew what iconic meant he was a very iconic figure to me as somebody who had some answers and yeah, somebody yeah, yeah. who had seen the same things i had seen right and was right. writing about him and writing about it in a palatable way in yeah. a way that made sense and then when I came to Los Angeles in 1976, 1976, one of the uh, young women from my area of the woods where I grew up, Oak Cliff, got cast in One Day at a Time, the original One Day at a Time, Kay Callen. And oh, she, sure. oh, God, when, yeah. when I came out, she said, Stephen, you know, I'm in this show One Day at a Time. Have you ever seen a sitcom? It, being filmed? No, no, I haven't. Well, come on over, see the sitcom being filmed. And she got a seat for me, and I, that was the first sitcom I ever saw filmed in my life was One Day at a Time. Kay introduced me to Norman Lear, hmm. and I, it was wow. the first important person I ever really met in my yeah. life, yeah. Norman Lear. And so this is back when 
before I was 30. So I, I 19... Uh, 70, 76, around there, 76, 77. Mm -hmm. The first job I got in Los Angeles was as an extra on Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman. Oh, God. <laughs> and, and so I, and I just wrote a letter to Jane Murray, who was the casting director, and just said, I've always admired the work of Norman Lear, uh, if there's ever anything. And she, she called me. She mm. called me on the home phone. I left my phone and she said, well, would you like to be an extra on the show this week? Mm. And I go, yes, ma'am, absolutely. First job I got in Los Angeles was an extra on Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman. That's a, oh, man. And then I get to be on One Day at a Time, the reboot of yeah. it, so much later, working with this person, this Norman Lear person Again, yeah. that had so much meaning to me in my life and trying to put the pieces together of the ugliness in the yeah. world around me. Yeah. So when I got the invite to go to his birthday tonight, I was like, yep. It's amazing. And, and, I, and when you think of somebody from Oak Cliff having all these contacts with this one person yeah. throughout their life that meant yeah. so much to them, I mean, to me, it's a blessing. It's, it certainly was a blessing to me. When you and, now, when you when you worked on uh, One Day at a Time, uh, how close did you get to work with Norman Lear? Was he on the set? Was he there when you when you were doing the the reboot? Yeah, certainly the first season. Uh, well, the first show, Norma was there every day, every day yeah. at rehearsals, and then the rest of the season, he was there probably two days a week. Certainly, he was there for network run through, isn't that? And amazing? he was probably there for camera blocking, which which wow. is he after did not, network. That guy's at that point late nineties. He doesn't have to do that. He's Norman right. Lear. You know what I mean? He doesn't have to do that, but he's there every day or at least three times a week for blocking. That's amazing. And, and he was and he was there at every performance of the show. You amazing. know, he was there and he talked to the audience and everything with his fishing hat on yeah, as yeah. per usual, booing yeah. Norman Lear and just smart and charming as can be. And uh again touching another group of of human beings. It, it's just, he, to me, was always an example of the power of, of art. Is you, could do, you could tell jokes and you could be funny, yeah. but you could also change the world with the jokes. It's amazing how he, how he was able to do that. And he did it in a way where, I mean, a lot of the stuff now, um, you know, it, it's, it's hard. To, you know, like a lot of people are like uncomfortable with watching those things now because the, the climate that we're in now where people are much more sensitive to what, other people are saying and, 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 and doing. And sometimes you watch some of the Norman Lear stuff from the seventies. You go, Oh my God, they got away with that. You know, when you're <laughs> yeah. watching it and, uh, and, yeah. but, but he did it in a way that wasn't exploitive. It was about something like when it happened, it, those things were done. There was a lesson to be learned or something to, to point out about the foibles and the idiocy of this country and some of the things that were happening at the time. Um, I just remember watching all the Norman Lear stuff in the seventies. Cause I'm 57 years old. So I grew up watching that stuff. And, uh, and I loved all of it. I particularly loved uh, uh, Sanford and Son was my show. That was the one that, and I loved Red Fox so much. And I still love, <laughs> there's about four seasons of that show that are just some of the funniest stuff you'll ever see ever. And, uh, and I, I was a fan of, of all of that stuff. But now, you know, Norman Lear, you get to work with, you get to see him tonight. He's 100 years old. Are you bringing something <laughs> to the party? Are you bringing him a gift? No, no. I, th I think I've given him my gifts. I think in the past, I think I gave him... Uh, my books at different yeah. birthdays and I gave him uh 
Primary Instinct. I think I gave him that movie, you know, and I think he probably has, you know, we go through this period of life where we acquire yeah. and I never got it. But then you go through this period of life where you shed and you say like, I'm getting rid of this. And, yeah. and I'm sure Norman is, I'm in the shed stage. I'm 71. I'm definitely in the shed stage. Yeah, right. And I'm sure at the age of a hundred, you know, like, okay, let's, <laughs> yeah. let's get rid of this stuff. Uh, I don't need any of that stuff. It's fine. I'm good. I'm good. I'm hundred. But that's that's really amazing that you got to work with him. What a great story! Like growing up that way and having his his uh, his art speak to what you were seeing. That's it's amazing. God, yeah, it's amazing. And I think I think a lot of people share that. I mean, never got to work with Norman Lear, but we're seeing that for the first time when when All in the Family came on. I think there were so many people who watched it and went, "I've never seen anything like this on television before." <laughs> right. And it yet I've seen it in in the real world. And you know, for people who, who might be too young to remember, there was nothing like All in the Family. Sitcoms before that, especially in the 50s and even into the 60s, were very innocuous. I mean, at that time the Brady Bunch was popular, and that's that that show could have taken place on Mars. You know, with the with the way that families were seen, but then suddenly, all of a sudden, Norman Lear's shows are confronting real issues in the real world, and yet they're very funny. And nobody was ever doing anything like that before him. So you know, uh, just uh, I guess an after after dinner drink is that the last time I went to Dallas and went to Oak Cliff to visit my childhood home, uh, one of the three black people I knew that were came to Oak Cliff, nobody lived there, was our maid, Lenora, mm. uh, Alice Nell Allen, who I proposed to when I was five, her maid, Claudie, <laughs> and my father's, uh, I guess, he, he worked cleaning up the office, the janitorial, mm. custodial, uh, Thomas. Those three people growing up were three of the kindest, most giving, yeah. Most courageous people I ever knew. So when I grew up, the white flight thing had the opposite effect, is that I thought, like, gosh, these black people I know are the best people I've ever yeah. met in my life. Course, so maybe yeah. they're just superior to yeah. us and they want to live you. somewhere where they're not putting a pitchfork through your foot. Like, yeah. like, yeah, yeah. And I, I visited yeah. Lenora and she turned out, Nick, she sold Avon products when she wasn't uh, watching our house three days a week and watching us and cooking and cleaning. She sold Avon products and was good at it and kept being promoted through the Avon chain. She ended up being a regional manager of Avon, ended up being a multimillionaire. Good for her. And man. she came back and came to my mother and father and said, I want to buy your house and every stick of furniture in it. And wow. mom and dad, dad was thinking about going across town, you know, again, shedding, going to a smaller home since all the kids were gone. Right. And so he sold, he sold our house and every stick of furniture in it to Lenora. And my last trip to Dallas when I was able to visit with Lenora I went there and it's freaky because I'm walking into the home exactly as it was when I was a child, yeah. with the same couch, with the same oh. rug, with the same television, with the same dining room table. Everything was the same. Oh. And uh, she's she now, well, she's just recently passed away. Mm. She owned, at that time, 22 different properties in Dallas. 
including restaurants, uh, businesses, uh, homes, etc. Uh, she was a real entrepreneur, and she said, Stevie, you would be very happy with what we did to your house. We've turned it into a church, and we've saved a lot of souls here. Oh, man. And uh, so anyway, <laughs> the wrong shall fail, the right prevail. Yeah. And and yeah. that that's the story of there Oak Cliff and Norman Lear. There you go. Wow. Uh, well, have fun at the party tonight. Thank you, um, sir. Before before we before we let you get out of here, uh, yeah. Tobolowski files, uh, podcasts, and all that stuff. What's happening with that? Are you going to get back to it? Are we going to hear more, or what's happening? Yeah, I'm going to get back to it. Uh, we we had a grandbaby, and uh, congratulations, both. Thank you. And since uh, my daughter-in-law and my son both work, she's a pediatrician. He's a chemistry professor. Uh, Annie and I get a lot of grandparent duty, and that's. E- eaten into a lot sure. of spare time for that, writing. That, and, that and the goddamn cat. And the cat. <laughs> the cat. But let me tell you, the grandbaby is is uh, uh, one of the greatest human beings ever to walk the face of the earth. Absolutely. She is just hilarious and yeah. delightful and fills my life with absolute joy. Awesome. Well, the Tobo Files and all that stuff, where can people find any of the uh, the stuff archived? Uh, what websites well, where they can see all yeah, you and hear all you? And if all you just go to Tobolowski Files dot com spell my name right or you'll get a naked site tobolowskifiles.com and all the all the files are there they're free of charge there's no paywall uh mm. because david and i david chin and i who who david is producer and recordist uh we didn't want to we didn't yeah. want to monetize it that way and you know it hadn't really mattered because it's monetized itself yeah. it's just wonderful and, uh-huh. But if you need something to work out to or do a cross-country trip with, 99 episodes that were all on NPR and PRI radio stations, they're all there for your perusal and approval. Uh, the Tobolowski Files, just go to tobofiles.com. I mean, Tobolowski Files, tobolowskifiles.com, there you go. and you'll get all 99. There you go. And they're there, and we're looking for Pool Man with you and Chris Pine, Jennifer Jason Lee, Danny DeVito. Uh, coming out as well uh, and it's always a pleasure uh, it was you know what it's been too long and we got to get you back much sooner than the last time because it, it it's been it was been wait I think it's been a couple of couple of few months since you were on I think we got to do it again sooner yeah absolutely yeah. whenever you know I'm, I'm just here unemployed petting a cat <laughs> I don't have a cat but the other part is pretty is pretty uh, I, I can identify with that other part Stephen I can tell you that right now uh, <laughs> uh, Stephen, always a pleasure, my friend. Great stories as always, and I will uh, I will speak with you soon. And uh, everybody, check out TobolowskiFiles.com. Thank you, Stephen. You got it, Nick. Okay, bye bye. Take care. There you go, uh, Stephen Tobolowski, and uh, and more. Uh, Esmeralda Leon is going to join me right after we uh, uh, what what after I play her theme right here on the uh, Nick D podcast. Esmeralda, yeah, Esmeralda Leon. Esmeralda. Esmeralda. Yeah, Esmeralda. Esmeralda. Yeah, Esmeralda. It's time to talk with Esmeralda Leon. 
Esmeralda Leon, my favorite in the world. Hi, Esmeralda. Oh, that's very sweet of you. Oh, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing good. How are you? It, it, oh, I'm, I'm okay. It's been a while since we talked because, you know, at the mm-hmm. beginning of the month, the first uh, Tuesday uh, episode of each month is our For the People episode where uh, yes. Herb and Tom come on. And, uh, um, and so Esmeralda usually takes that day off because Esmeralda cannot answer any questions about consumer goods or cars. So. Yeah, no. <laughs> I mean, I have opinions, but right. I don't know if they're... <laughs> right. right. So uh, it's been a while and uh, we haven't spoken in a while. How you been? It's been it's been a few feels like it's been, it feels like it's been a year since I've spoken with you. Esmeralda. Oh, wow. Just know. a week, right? It's just been a week, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's been a week. Um, Doing fine. OK. Nothing has really changed. No. All right. <laughs> just um, here. I did uh, send you some pictures and a couple of texts from the AAW Pro Wrestling event that I went to last night. Oh, right. (laughs) Did you... So did you pick someone? Do you pick people, like, that you then root for? Because you Um, don't... Or do you know these... Do you I, know these, the, these I, some, characters? Some of these, and... some of these, a lot of them are younger, and they're, and you know, and AAW is a small sort of independent uh, group. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, I'll tell you something. The show was amazing, uh, and it's nice. it was really fun to see it in a venue that holds maybe about two hundred people, mm-hmm. because every slam of the mat echoed like sense around. You know what I mean? Like you were right oh, wow. on top of it. Yeah. And yeah. they were working their asses off these these women and these men. By the way, the 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 woman who. Um, stole the entire show there was an intergender match mm-hmm. for the um impact uh, heavyweight belt um and it was a man and a woman they battled each other and uh, her name is um masha slamovich that's that's her name oh wow she stole the whole damn show like she was kicking as she was in ring and this guy was not taking it easy on her he was mm-hmm. just throwing her around and she was kicking his ass and um, it, the show ended when he put her in a submission move and she passed out in the ring. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not real, but but she passed, you know, she like passed out in the ring and then, mm. he, you know, he won. And then afterwards, he's like, you are going to be with me. And like afterwards, he gets the mic. He's like, you're the best goddamn, def- you know, opponent I've ever fucking had. <laughs> and he's, you know, and the crowd's going nuts. And so Aww. she's going to be she's going to be in the AAW tournament. Um, she'll be the only woman in the tournament for like the belt next month. Because oh, she kicked wow. so much ass, it was great. That's but the awesome. Sh- the show was very entertaining, and it was so much mm-hmm. fun. And it, you know, and I, and it's weird too because, like, um, because I, you know, I don't drink anymore. Obviously, mm-hmm. I notice people drinking more. And mm-hmm. you know, they were selling cans of light for like six bucks a can. You know, these just like a can Oof. of light. And uh, and by the because the show was about f- four and a half hours long. It was a long card. There was a lot of stuff on the card. Mm-hmm. And towards the end, I mean, there were guys who were sticking because I had standing room and I was standing because like Keith was like, you want a seat or you want to stand? And I was like, I want to be near the ring. He's like, OK, just I'll give you standing room. You can walk around. I'm like, OK, cool. <laughs> so uh, these dudes next to me were consistently just booze. And by the main event, they didn't know their goddamn names. <laughs> was, oh, no. Yeah. And people wow. scream. It gets louder and louder as the booze right. flows more, you know. So they're just sense. like party. It's like uh, it's like a party. It is. It's total cans of beer everywhere. Mm. People and, and the and the wrestling, you know, the you know, the the, the more independent uh, circuits, the more independent groups. They tend to be a lot more crazy, and they will jump into the audience and knock chairs over and shit. And they did all of that. I mean, I you know, nice. I was in standing room and I had to move out of the way a few times. To get out of the <laughs> but I, 
But I did take a picture of a luchador who was standing in front of me. I don't know if you saw that. I saw that, yeah. Yeah, he was not wrestling. He was just a dude mm-hmm. in the audience who had a luchador just mask there. on. Just there nice. drinking, and of course, you know, uh, of course, in a cliche, drinking a Modelo. I was like, I, I totally, I, <laughs> saying, of course you are. Uh, but he, but he was like giving the finger to the guys and stuff like that. And the other thing is, like, when they have an intermission, because they like there's two halves of the show, and during the intermission, the wrestlers come out, and I've not seen this in years. I totally forgot they do this, but the wrestlers come out and they stand around the ring and they hang their t-shirts up on the ropes and they pull mm-hmm. out their little suitcases with their. Head, their headshots and their 8x10s and stuff, and you can go up and get a picture with them and buy T-shirts at the ring. Oh, that's nice. It's so cool. And, like, you know, these, and these guys go on. A lot of, the, a lot of these guys and, and women go on to, you know, big success. And some mm-hmm. people came back. Yeah. Like, the Impact wrestlers, are those, the Impact is on. You know, that's a nationally syndicated thing. And they've gone mm-hmm. on to bigger and better things. And so it was, it, was, it was a great match. But I did send you a per, a, absolutely one of, the, one of the first matches when I got there. Um, because it was a it was a televised pay per view that they did online, like on YouTube. Okay. And mm-hmm. before the actual pay per view started, they had matches. They call those this is in the business as well. They're called dark matches. Like before okay. the sh- before the show begins to warm up the crowd, they'll have two or three matches, and they call those dark matches because you're not on the uh, on the program itself. Mm-hmm. And um, then are those the people wrestling, or are those just kind of like people that are kind of given a shot? Uh, some people, yes, yes, they are. Uh, sometimes they, sometimes they are. What well, they call those? They call those guys. I'm going to give you more wrestling jing- lingo here. Uh, they call <laughs> those guys. Call those guys jobbers. Jobbers are usually mm-hmm. the guys who, if they show up in a big match, they will lose, and nobody knows who the hell they are, and they walk in just to get their ass kicked. They're called jobbers. So, Interesting. So um, they they had they have that, but then they have some really up and coming talent that they want to test out. So the one of the guys Ooh. that came out and they had the big screen set up and everybody had their entrance music and stuff and you know they they walked in they had a smoke machine you know fog machine their people so it was like full on you know like wrestlers making their big move they had a little aisle set up so that they could walk in from the back and the big video screen with their you know their logo on it and i remember mm-hmm. i took a picture of a guy named uh uh, uh duncan leone cuz he was coming in and i took a picture i remember if i sent it to you Oh, and, right, yes. And, yes. like, the announcer said, Leon! And I was like, oh, come on, <laughs> man. And I didn't record it, but I took the picture, and I, and I told you that, you know, phonetically how he said it. Yeah. <laughs> Leon! And he had, he had, like, a jersey on that said Leon in the back. I couldn't get a picture of that. Really, really good to send you. But uh, I was rooting for him just because his last – he lost. But I was rooting for him just Aww. because his last name was Leon. <laughs> so – but it was fun. It was, it was uh, you know, it was a good time. And it was, it was, uh, it was, it was pretty cool. And everybody had their interest. So I will say this though, because, you know, um, normally if you're on a big wrestling show that's on, you know, cable or on TV or something, mm-hmm. you have to, you have to clear the rights to songs to use mm, for your entrance okay. music. Yeah, yeah. Or like if you're, you know, if you're in the big wrestling, they write their own entrance music. You know, like everybody has their own like. Like WWE, everybody has their own composed entrance music that's original. Mm-hmm. But some people use already established songs. For some reason, I don't know why, but it was like 80s night last week. Because <laughs> uh, one of these guys, this, uh, this guy came out. And he's a heel. He's been in the business for a very long time. This is one of those guys. He's like, uh, he's like, he was like the Mickey Rourke of the movie The Wrestler. The guy mm, that's been okay. around. You know what I mean? Like the old guy all yeah. beat up and shit. This guy came out early match. And he's a heel, and he grabbed the mic and started he started calling the audience uh, "pussy assholes" and started screaming at him and shit. And but his entrance music, and this guy's a heel, and he came out screaming at the audience. The audience was booing him. He's getting a lot of heat from the audience. He did his job. The guy's been around forever. He's an old dude. But his entrance music, 
<laughs> was um, his entrance music was uh, "Don't Stop Believing" by Journey. <laughs> well, isn't that uh, that seems very uplifting? It, even though he's a bad guy, <laughs> his "Don't Stop Believing" comes on. It takes him five minutes to get to the ring, and these guys take their time. They let the songs play. Takes him mm-hmm. five minutes to get to the ring. He gets to the ring and and like he starts calling the he call he calls the crowd pussy idiots. And I'm like, you just came out to don't stop believing. What are you <laughs> what are you talking about? Another guy came out and literally he came out to all night long, okay, by by Lionel Richie. And okay. he just and he danced for five minutes. He got the ref oh. to dance. He was Ooh. in the ring like doing the robot and stuff and you know, popping and locking to all, all, all night long. And the whole audience is going, all night long, all night. The whole audience. I'm like, what the hell is happening here? Well, that's fun, though. Yeah. I like, <laughs> I like that there's a whole dance. Yeah, uh, he came out and did a whole in r- it. R- routine. And, you know, he's trying to get the ref to, you know, to pop and lock with him. Mm-hmm. What is that move called where you like? <laughs> and did he? He, yeah, he, I mean, he's like, no, I can't do that. No, he's trying to be a professional. And then he put Oh, up, I see. And you know what I mean? Like, he's, no, I can't, I can't. And then all of a sudden he turns out to be a great dancer because he's, you know, that's nice. the joke. So he's all like, I'm a referee, I'm a professional. And the next thing you know, what do they call that when you grab someone's arm and then, like, do the whole snake thing? Oh. A, you know what I mean? Like, you, um, like no you, idea. But there's, there's got to be a name for it, right? Gosh, I'm, there has to be. I, I don't mean, know. It's, it's in the popping and locking family. You know what I mean? Like, it's. You're like you 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 do the wave with your arm. You know what I'm talking about, and you hold the yeah. other person's hand, and then they do it, and then you do it back and forth. You know that you know what I'm talking about. Yes. Yeah. So well, they, he did that um, with the. Ref. I couldn't tell you if that is like a if there's a name for that, mm-hmm. <laughs> or I mean, I guess I mean you just called it like a wave, like that. It makes... is like a wave thing, but it's but it falls into the, it's definitely a popping and locking move. Like if you if you mm-hmm. pop and lock, that's a definite break dancing sort of classic, you know, move, do the wave of the arm and then spread that to right. the next person, that, that thing. Well, he did that with the ref and everybody went nuts. Oh, the ref's cool now. <laughs> so anyway, well, it was fun. It was fun. And I, I had to send you the thing with the Mr. Mr. Leon. Very um, cool. Very cool. So anyway, it was fun. So I did that, uh, which was cool. Um, so, uh, you know, we, we're going to be talking about weird laws and I and, yes. and we were talking about uh, that last time, and uh, we have an email here that I or I'm sorry, an email, not an email, a voicemail from someone. And again, anytime you want to join us with any comments or questions or any kind of feedback, voicemails are highly encouraged. Seven seven three four one seven six nine four eight. Are you ready for this? Because this in this in um, this involves not only uh, uh, what we were talking about, but also your hometown, Esmeralda. Oh boy! Are you- <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Re- I love. Uh, your hometown, by the way, for people who might not know. Joliet. That's right. Okay, are you ready for this? Mm-hmm. Nick, this is Tim from New Lenox, long-time listener. When you listen, worked on the car wash. Love the podcast because you can speak the truth. Going back to Friday's episode about laws in Joliet, Elsmerel's hometown, you can get a $5 ticket for mispronouncing Joliet. A lot of people will call it Joliet, not Joliet. Give up the good work. Thanks. Bye. So, did you, did you know that? Um, no, but I think it is a worthy law. <laughs> Do people really still say Joliet? Are there people actually who make that mistake? No, but who was it? Colin or somebody told me that they were talking to someone, and they said that. Um, that you pronounce Joliet as Joylet. 
Oh no. <laughs> and but and I think they were being like real honest to God. And it's just like, um, no. No. That's a joke <laughs> about the town. That's a statement about the yeah. town. Yeah. It's either that or they were gonna say it some other way or it was Have something ever, where it's like, no, that is I've never not heard how that, you pronounce that. That's pretty funny, though. I've never heard Joylet. Have you ever heard that? Re, like, even in, in fun? Yeah. In, like, jest? Really? Because yeah. yeah, Joylet. <laughs> oh, no, I know. No, 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 I get it. I've just never heard Joliet really? refer to. I mean, to, nobody's no, I, ever said. Oh, really? Well, no. maybe because you're, you just don't associate yourself with too many Joliet. I know one of my best friends, my one of my best buddies, Manny Manny Tamayo, one of my best friends from the factory, who I've worked with a million times. He's from J Town. I've never heard him. He's never. Well, does he like it? Does he like Joliet? Mm Mm-hmm. I don't think so. (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) Well, nobody, nobody really is like, oh, have you been to Joliet? Like no one. Yeah. You know, you do be like, ha 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 ha. I mean, I get it. I understand. I understand the joke because Joliet does not have the greatest reputation in the world. And if right. you just switch one of the letters around, that's how, that's how you would pronounce it. So, and it also happens to be the way you pronounce toilet. It rhymes with toilet. So, but how have I never heard that? That's, an, that's, I, I don't mean, know. That, that seems like I, an obvious, that seems like an obvious old school I mean, insult. How, how often are people talking about Joliet to you? <laughs> it's weird because I don't know, Esmeralda, I, you know, I've, I, I had a radio show for 25 years, so I, I, you know, a call-in show. So I'm surprised I've never heard. Maybe I have and I just put it out. You know what I mean? Maybe I heard Probably. It, I, heard I mean, it, it's I not the greatest, like, Oh, it's not clever. Insult. But, no, it's also, it's not, <laughs> somebody didn't sit, somebody did not sit and think in a think tank to come up with that one. You right. know what I mean? You know, <laughs> so. It's not like top 10 of like making fun of no. a, a city. No. Joylet. It's, no. it's a very easy reach there. <laughs> yeah. No. And if you're playing Yo Mama, that's not going to go over. You're not going to win that battle. I, I would. Uh, right. I would, I would guess. Joylet. Okay. Well, anyway, but uh, you can get a $5 ticket if you say Joliet in Joliet. Which I am all for. Okay. I hate when people mispronounce Joliet just because yeah. it is not that hard. <laughs> it's not. It's not. So It uh, is not difficult. It is not. Uh-oh. <laughs> Wait a minute. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's Hi, show. Hi, Carrie. Carrie knows how to pronounce, uh, don't you? You know how to pronounce Juliet, right, Carrie? Hi, I'm Carrie yeah, Russell, I, and right. I <laughs> love Nick's show. Okay, thank you oh, very much. Thank you. So, 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 all right. I think I broke my ass. So, um, I'll give you asthma. So, I have some, uh, some stupid uh, lawbreakers, stupid criminals, mm-hmm. since we're going to mm-hmm. talk about some laws. And by the way, these laws that we get into, that, these are actual, these are real. These are Illinois laws that we're going to talk about. Right. Um, and they're, of course, ridiculous. And so we've already talked about one that's specific to Joylet. Yeah! I'm yeah. I, I will not Which, see that. Good for, good for Joliet standing up for itself, I guess. I guess. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Okay, are you ready for some dumb criminal stuff before we get into real laws? Let's talk about lawbreakers. Sure. Are you ready? Here's here's, here's Mm -hmm. one. A Grapevine, Texas man was arrested in 2008 for impersonating an undercover cop after he pulled over cars using police lights and showed showed drivers a Chipotle gift card with the word police scratched onto it as a badge. Oh, Lord. (laughs) Couldn't have at least gone to, like... The toy store and just bought a fake like really the chipotle card uh, i'm just uh, also like what 
what were you like? Mm, I need some kind of thing that says I'm police. <laughs> that I only have this Chipotle card. <laughs> and he just it would scratch the word police onto it. Like, I just don't, like, do, do you not have, like, just a piece of paper? Like, if it's I, if it's going to be like that, uh, you know, just a uh, piece of paper. I'm, I'm police. I'm police. <laughs> and what are the people who get pulled over when they when he walks up? Can you show us your badge? And it's a Chipotle gift card. What do you go? Oh, yeah. okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, officer. I'll never do it again. What do you? What? Please don't give me diarrhea. What? What is the? Yeah. And also, can you use can you use the card still? That's I the main question. Yeah, I hope he scratched on the side that doesn't have like the, the little the, swipey the thing. scanner. Yeah, the scanner <laughs> yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. Because you want to get your you want to get your bowl, man, or you want to. get I your, mean, your, yeah. So, um, why does Chipotle have such a bad reputation? I like Chipotle. I I don't know because it's just beans and rice and meat, beef and meat, and they just throw it in either a bowl or a tortilla. I don't understand. Right. I don't understand the but people. Yeah, there's somebody. And I just made one. There are like a lot of diarrhea jokes that when people say Chipotle, oh God, I was right. on the toilet for six months after eating Chipotle. Like, wait, I kind of enjoy I mean, I Chipotle. kind of feel like that might be on you if you're <laughs> well, getting diarrhea the, the, from Chipotle. Well, <laughs> see, you know what? Because a lot of people go to Chipotle after they get hammered. Uh, mm. So that's what mm-hmm. it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, maybe your stomach just cannot deal with imitation beans and Mexican rice. food. I guess. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. All right. Uh, You ready for the next one? Mm Mm-hmm. In Sladell, Louisiana. I wonder where Sladell is. Sladell, Louisiana. A group of Krispy Kreme donut truck thieves was caught in 2002 when police followed a trail of donuts to the perpetrators who didn't realize that their loot was falling out of the vehicle's open back door. Um. The Krispy Kreme donut trail was like a bat signal for cops. I mean, it's like when you drop coins. Except yeah. these are very large coins. Well, they're right. donuts, but... And the joke is that cops are attracted to it because it's donuts. See, that's... Right. See. But yes, these idiots had a, they They stole a Krispy Kreme donut truck and then donuts fell out of it. Followed them right... Just followed the donuts right to the, right to the truck. See, also, just lock the door. You could have yeah. locked that door in this problem. And then you're losing the thing because, I mean, why did you steal the truck? For the truck or the donuts? That's the question because <laughs> Krispy Kreme donuts are pretty goddamn great. Right? And you're They're- just letting them fall out? Yeah, uh. no. You don't, you don't want to. If you're going to steal Krispy Kreme donuts, make sure you hang on to those things because they're pretty. Such a pretty, waste. Pretty tasty, I got to say. So, Slidell, Louisiana, yeah, is I don't know anything about Louisiana. Is it near New Orleans? Because that's really the only that's the really the only place I know in Louisiana. I mean, I've been so New Orleans is is um so there's a big old lake or something. Oh yeah, there's a lot of water in New Orleans. Lake Pontchart train. Yeah, that's right. Um, That's right. That's right. So there's a big old lake, right? And yeah. Louisiana or New Orleans is at the bottom mm-hmm. of that. And then so Slidell is to the right of it. Like you can you just take like a little right. highway that goes over the water and then you're like over there. 
Okay. So it's to the right of New Orleans. Okay, it's to the right of New Orleans, which would be to the right of New Orleans would be west then yes. of New Orleans. Okay. Oh no, 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 east. East. Okay. Oh, to the right. Okay, yeah, I'm looking at Okay, yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. So it's east. East of New Orleans. It's east. East right. of New Orleans. I like east of New Orleans. to the right. Like <laughs> Right. Yes, okay. east. All right. Uh, well, anyway, if you if you see donuts on that highway, I'll tell you, you know, don't eat to, them. Don't eat them. I'm just they, I'm just saying they've been them. on the ground. I know five second rule, but <laughs> I yeah. think it's going to be longer than that. OK, last one. You ready? And then we'll then we'll mm-hmm. get into some real Illinois laws. Two men fleeing police in a high speed chase in March of 2010 abandoned their car and jumped a high fence, which unfortunately for the men was a round of women's prison where they were caught and arrested. It was a round of women's prison. So they. They hopped the fence and went into a woman's prison. There you go. Is there no signs? Is there no? (laughs) Nobody's looking. It was very dark. I'm starting to see what the theme is. Like, nobody looks. Right. You got to look around. Look at your surroundings. You don't know what's going on. There's donuts flying out of the back of your car. Right? You're not paying attention. Donuts are flying out. You're not paying attention. You you jump over a fence. Woman's prison. And you're in prison. (laughs) So, all right. All right. Well, those are dumb criminals. Are you ready for some weird laws? Now, we were looking at this. Did anything pop up? Now, let me just preface this by saying that we talked mm-hmm. about uh, laws the last time that we spoke, which I think was 10 months ago. But anyway, it uh, feels like <laughs> it. But, uh, and then uh, we had our lovely uh, listener uh, leave the voicemail about the Joliet Law. Mm-hmm. And these are real uh, Illinois laws. These are weird. And most of them are old. They've been on the books for a long time, which is why they're so amusing and weird. But they're still right. there. They're still real Illinois laws. Did anything pop out at you when you looked at this? or some, Do you have a, like a favorite or two that you would like to start off with here? Um, I think it's funny that uh, in Cicero, humming on public streets is prohibited on Sundays. <laughs> I'm one. I'm. I'm more curious, like, how did that come about? Yeah. Like, who was so annoyed? They're just like, all oh, these bastards humming on the streets. <laughs> it's Sunday morning, man. We have I'm to trying... make a law. Yeah. Humming on the streets. Uh, yeah, uh, that's always what you want to think about is, like, who? how did this begin? What was the the impetus for, like... So, yeah, you're right. Was it, like, somebody was, like, really hung over on a Sunday morning went, man, don't hum, please. Or, like, was it just groups of people humming on the streets <laughs> just everyone because who knows when they made this law so it was you know maybe music wasn't as yeah. prevalent <laughs> so yeah people have done so hum. in cicero if you're cicero on a sunday morning do not hum don't hum don't even think about it don't even think about it okay that's a good one cicero oh man um yeah i once spent a week i, I once spent a week in cicero one night remember that old joke <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I spent a month one night there. Oh, oh, oh. yeah. Um, all right. Are you ready for uh, a couple more here? Yeah. All right. In Carbondale, no one may stand on the sidewalk on the 500 block of Illinois Avenue. Why? I don't know. Now, I've been to Carbondale many times. Does it exist? Um, it I, makes me think it doesn't exist. I don't exist know. Now, Carbondale is the reason why you would go to Carbondale is to drink. Mm-hmm. Because. Uh, uh, Southern Illinois is down there, University mm-hmm. in Carbondale. And uh, th- if you go down there on Halloween, you'll probably not come back. Or oh, used no. to, at least. Used to, at least. Uh, they had the, Carbondale had the most uh, legendary and notorious and insane Halloween weekend college party 
ever. Like people mm-hmm. in the streets would go. No, it was a, it was insane. And uh, my friends were like, "Well, we're going to go down to for the for the for the Halloween party." So the only time I've ever been to Carbondale was, and I was barely sober, was for the Halloween party. So I don't know if something happened maybe during a Halloween party on Illinois Avenue. <laughs> And on the fi- specifically the 500 block of Illinois Avenue, but I don't know. But anyway, you can't stand on the sidewalk on the 500 block of Illinois Avenue. Yeah. Well, also, if you look it up, there's a north and a south. So is this on both? <laughs> it doesn't say. It just says 500 block. So, yeah, I don't know if there's a south 500 or north 500. Just be safe. Don't stand on either 500s. Like if it's if it's five hundred north or five hundred right. south, just don't just do don't it. be yeah yeah yeah. Just, just walk in the <laughs> walk in the street. <laughs> what if you just what if you walk in a circle? You just walk in a circle right there. Just keep going. I don't. <laughs> uh, have you been to Carbondale? No. Oh, Wait. Uh. I don't know. <laughs> if I have, I couldn't tell you that I was there. Okay. That's kind of the way I am too, and I know I've been there. I, <laughs> I yeah I don't know if I yeah I don't know no, it, what's it, down there booze yeah but what's the school <laughs> SIU maybe I have because I have a friend who went there so I think I did visit like after the fact we took a day trip or something but yeah eh. yeah it's, a, <laughs> it's Carbondale I, it's Carbondale I all I know of all I remember of my visit to Carbondale is that I was fucking drunk that's really mm-hmm. the only that's really mm. the only, it was Halloween and it was the and seriously if you I don't think they still do it anymore I'm uh, you know I'm, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. sure that they have a Halloween celebration but there was a period of time in the 80s and into the 90s 80s especially uh when if you went down to Carbondale for Halloween it, you might not come back Oh goodness! Like seriously, it was in it was debauchery at its most debauch. Yikes! <laughs> so, yeah, but that's the only that's the only time I've been to Carbondale one time, um, and it was just for booze. Like my friend went down there, <laughs> and we went down there. No, I'm sorry, I went twice, twice. Ah, so both for booze. Yeah, for Halloween. Okay. We went Got down it. there and everybody, I mean, seriously, and it was insane. Like, people, it was like, it, it was like, the, it's like the last scene in Strange Days. It was like the last, it was like, it's like the last 15 minutes of Strange Days. Yikes. So, now, another college town, uh, here's one for you. Have you ever been down to Champaign, to University of Illinois? I have not. But now, I've been down there a million times, uh, both sober and drunk, mostly drunk. <laughs> Um, I had a lot of friends who went to uh, went to school in Champaign, and we would go down mm-hmm. there literally at one point every weekend. We were going down in the eighties. We were just going down. We had friends who were in different apartments and different places, and we would just yeah. go to we'd go to Green Street and we get shit faced and we'd throw stuff off the balcony and get drunk. Um, wow. So, yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, we were in our twenties and everybody was in college and we were drunk. And I wasn't going there, so I had no you know there were no there were no consequences for me. <laughs> these weren't my neighbors and they weren't, I wasn't going to that school so I could act like a complete <laughs> asshole and leave. You know what I mean? So, so perfect. Yeah. So perfect. So, um, so yes, yeah, early twenties, Nick loved champagne. Mid twenties, Nick loved champagne. Um, but anyway, you ready for this one? Mm-hmm. In champagne, one may not pee in his neighbor's mouth. I mean, that's just rude. It is. Not to mention have, now against the law. I wish they would have told just me that. Rude. I, I would have I <laughs> acted better if I would have known that. I don't know. Unless, you know, consent. Consent is important. Hey, go ahead and pee in my mouth. Some people I like mean, that. I mean, if That's somebody, yeah. 
You're, you, you can always find somebody who likes weird shit. There's always exactly. somebody out there who's like, yeah, God, pee in my mouth. I, I, that's enjoyable to me. When I think champagne, I think urine uh, in the mouth. That's the first thing. <laughs> there you go. So. That's why now it is uh, uh, against the law to, uh, to do things you, you enjoy. And it has to be your, I guess, it's, and it says here specifically your neighbor. So if it's not your neighbor, you right. can just pee in anybody's. You can just piss in anybody's mouth you want. Yes, yeah, so strangers. So before you totally piss on fine. them, you go, what's your address? Is that what happens when you... you, you yeah, you, you have to... <laughs> you have an IG. I got to make sure you... Before I... Because you take your penis out and go, okay, you're ready. Oh, wait a minute. Let me check your ID. I want to check your address. Just make sure you're make not sure a, we're not neighbors. Make sure you're not... Okay, you're not a neighbor. All right, here, enjoy the piss. I don't know. I don't, <laughs> oh, God. All right. Champagne, lots of fun down there. Yeah, they, it sounds like it. They had a lot of. They had a. We used to go down there because that was the only place you could get steak and shake. Oh really? Oh yeah, that was the only place it was available. Was because uh, you know uh, Ebert went to school down there, and mm-hmm. Ebert was one of the first like big time. Why aren't there more steak and shakes? Because he mm-hmm. went to school there, and, and that's all he did was eat steak and shake. And Roger Ebert, I think the most famous and the most vocal fan of steak and shake in the history of that company. Wow! If you were go back and you look, if I you mean, just Google, if you Google, it's, it's great, it's awesome. <laughs> if you were to Google Roger Ebert steak and shake, there's probably 25, 26 page articles about Roger and his and his love just, for steak and <laughs> dissertations. On Absolutely, I'm Roger not kidding. Ebert and steak and shake. <laughs> I'm sure just, someone not, has done that. <laughs> oh no, it's true because I'm not kidding and I'm not making this up. There'd been times when we would sit in the screening room years ago when Roger, and all of us, would Gene and everybody, we were film critics. We'd all sit mm-hmm. in the screen and Roger would just wax on and on. About how great <laughs> Steak and Shake is, and and then I sometimes I would be like, because at that time I was going down to Champagne. I'm like Roger, I, I got back from Champagne this weekend. Did you go to Steak and Shake? I said, You're damn right, I did. You know. <laughs> so you go down, you go to Steak and Shake on Green Street, and there was a bar there on Green Street, and I always forget the name of it. But every night at midnight, everybody would get loaded, and they would sing. At midnight, they would play Don McLean's American Pie, and everybody would sing it, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I would leave. <laughs> Because I hate that goddamn song. And you hear the the first notes, and you're like, "And goodbye." Oh, that's right. It's midnight, and then everybody's like, "Bye, bye." This is and everybody's loaded. And that song is 46 minutes long. You know? Oh yeah, it's yeah, it's insanely long. <laughs> and they would have like dime beer night because it was college town. Oh you know? boy, yeah. And it was just yeah, college yeah. students. College students don't have any money, and they want to get shit faced. So three bucks back in the 80s, you can get shit faced. You know? And so, like, by midnight, there's beer all over the floor. There's plastic cups everywhere. Everybody's sloppy drunk. There's people falling. Tables are getting knocked over. And then everybody just freezes in their tracks, you know, trying to get laid. Because everybody's drunk and trying to get laid. They're all college students. Mm-hmm. And everybody stops. They all put their arms around each other. Bye, bye. The whole song. They sing the whole 27-minute song. And I don't know if they Good, still do it. Uh, I wonder, well... As long as Don McLean was getting money off of that. I, good for him. Yeah. Yeah. Good for you, good sir. Good for him. Yeah. Madonna did a cover of that goddamn song. Oh, God. Yeah. 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 She yeah. did. Yeah. And she couldn't even. She, and I love her, and she couldn't even make that song good. That's, yeah. So. All right. You got any, what are some, some more dumb laws or crazy laws that, that pop out at you, Esmeralda? Uh, well, <laughs> I like uh, here, here in our lovely city. Yeah. Uh, you're forbidden to eat in a place that is on fire. Oh, come on. Really? Which, I mean, that's just, com- I mean, that's just a nice, I know, like, it's for your own good. Like, no, it's not allowed. <laughs> the place is on fire. Right. You should leave. 
Yeah. And it's even against it's, the law, so get out of here. Even if it's like a, <laughs> even if they like, if if it you bought, you know, like if it's a barbecue place or it's a smoke place, is smoke place. Yeah. Well, I think the... on fire. Yeah. As long as it's not on fire, you're, you're okay. fine to eat there. Okay. <laughs> Anything catches fire, no, get out. Okay. I mean, also get out. It's on fire, but you can't eat here. No, don't eat here. Okay. How about more in Chicago? Are you ready for here? How about this one, Esmeralda? What do you think about this? Um, In Chicago, um, it is illegal uh, to uh, take a French poodle to the opera. You know, poodles should get, you know, an education on opera and such. I'm sure they enjoy yeah. the singing, yeah. but uh, leave them at home. I grew up with poodles. We had two poodles right? when I was Do they I... like opera? Is that? Uh, no, they were the most annoying fucking dogs uh, in the world. Um, oh, so that's why they're not allowed to go to the opera. That's probably what, because they'd be, I'm going to say. Da, 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 da. They right. just, you know, or at least the, the dogs that I, I mean, I shouldn't say that. Uh, uh, they were called. They were, Don't Mitz, disparage all poodles. Mitzi and Brandy. Those were the two oh, poodles course. that we had. My mom and dad loved them. Of course, them. that's their names. Um, yeah. And I, yeah, I liked, I liked uh, Brandy more than Mitzi. Mitzi was a dipshit. Mm-hmm. Mitzi was really stupid. <laughs> and Brandy, Brandy was Brandy could smile. Like if you said "smile, Brandy," she would smile. You know, dogs oh, wow. that can get then go hey and they smile. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I if you would say "smile, Brandy," she would go hee 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 and and I liked that. I thought that was kind of cool. <laughs> But yes, I uh, tried to play opera for them, and they were like, "No, Sabbath, put put Sabbath on now." My my poodles then they like just Sabbath. start complaining. They would complain. Yeah, they would like if you don't put like on. You're being rude. I, I don't want to hear this opera crap. Put on Master Reality right now, or I'm going to start flipping tables right. and I'm going to piss all over. So the yeah, floor. you don't want to take them to the opera because that's what's going to happen. Because they want Sabbath. They 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 demand they demand Black Sabbath. Exactly. <laughs> all right, another one from you, Esmeralda. Weird laws. Um, I okay. Well, I kind of get this. This okay. is in Crystal Lake. If one wishes to plant new sod in his or her yard in the summer months, that person may not use the city's water to water it. What water are you supposed? Are you supposed to go buy your own water to then what? water your your new sod? Now here, you know who we have to ask about this, Esmeralda, hmm. executive producer of the Steve Cochran Show, of which, by the way, I am now a regular uh, every other oh. Friday on the Steve Cochran Very Show, nice. WLS, the Big Eighty Nine. Uh, review movies and stuff, and, and executive producer of the Steve Cochran Show on WLS is Tom Hush, who grew up in Crystal Lake. No, oh. so he might know about this. Well, next time you see, next time you see Mr. Hush, say, "Hey, how did you water your lawn?" This is only if you plant new sod. Oh, I see. In the oh. summer months. <laughs> Jesus, that's very specific. Yeah, <laughs> that's what a lot of these laws are wildly specific, don't you think? So something has there had to be one single specific incident to inspire this, correct? Well, I'm just wondering, like, yeah, did someone plant new sod, like a whole new yard, right, in the summer, and then it was a drought or something? Like, what? I just find it interesting. The the city is like, no, you can't yeah. use our water. Also, um, no one should plant new sod, in my opinion. Grass is useless. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Make okay. it look. I think you should put flowers and stuff okay. rather than grass, because what okay. for? I, I'm. I don't know. I've never made. I never in my life had to maintain a lawn ever. Useless. Uh, okay. I'll, I'll, I trust look you. Look at it. I, it's I, just I, grass, right? Like, um, what else do you do there? People have a Nothing. lot of pride in that shit, though. They really do in the suburbs, right? at least. 
just put some flowers up like yeah. a whole garden could you imagine how like amazing that would I, look i know if i know friends who grew up in the suburbs and like in cul-de-sacs and shit and like if one mm-hmm. neighbor lets their lets their lawn go to hell they're hated like they want them out oh yeah it brings down the prices of my house oh shut Whatever. up <laughs> I've never had to maintain I seriously in my life I've never lived in anything but apartments Esmeralda so and yeah. in the city I've always lived I grew up in the city I grew up next to L tracks you know what I mean so you don't we don't worry about lawns when you, when you live next to <laughs> when you live next to the L the last thing you're worried about is maintaining a beautiful lawn on Addison you know what I mean you know what I mean so but all right that's never okay well that, no new sod and uh, if you do you got to find you got to import your water from mexico or something bring your own water bring your own water to the lawn all right all right all right how about this one um did you know that in chicago it's illegal to fish in pajamas which i feel like people probably have broken this law i, bet they I mean break pajamas it. are very comfortable of course they are and, you, <laughs> and when do you fish in the in the night day no, time very very, <laughs> very early in the morning very very early in the morning. got it yeah got it <laughs> yeah. no you normally you See? fish very yeah. very early in the morning so yeah to that's... catch those fish you don't have time to change that's right pajamas that's why they say the early bird gets the worm because you use worms to fish <laughs> mm. i see you have to go get those worms. You fish in the to morning. fish. You fish in the morning illegally in your pajamas. Right. So in your, I'm, I bet that law is broken all the time, especially when people are doing the smelt thing, when the smelting thing is happening. Because right. there's like well, 800 also, people. What are pajamas now? Like, yeah, is, are truly. we talking a full set? I a guess full, you have to, like matching yeah. pants and shirt. That's a good question. What constitutes, or do you just do, or is it the onesie with the flap in the back in the footies? Right. Is that a the old timey onesie? Like, is <laughs> yeah. that, or is it just pants? Like, what if you just wear pajama pants? Right. I wear sweats to bed. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I wear sweat. So like I wear sweatpants and a t-shirt. That's what I sleep in. So what? I mean, right? I mean, this is, I think, uh, why we should start our own uh, law office. Oh, the es- all these the, rules. The, 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 the Esma Olis Law Office. Now we got a yeah. new. <laughs> I mean, I've always been told that my 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 dad and Colin have always said um, have said that I should be a lawyer. So I the Esma. So OK, we have to start it. The Esma Olis <laughs> Law Firm. So, yeah. OK, you be the, only, you'll be um, you'll be the lawyer. Only I'll be these I'll, laws. I'll be your but assistant. Only these laws. OK, you're the lawyer. I'm the assistant. I'm just the, I'm your bitch. Okay, so okay. Esma Olis Law Firm. We'll start that we up. Need we, need, to, uh, we need we need a logo for that a, now. So if, if anybody right? wants to do a logo for Esma, <laughs> and Esma a catchy Olis theme, yeah. I'll tell. I mean, I'll tell. Against... I'll tell Jason. I'll tell Jason to get on that. I'll tell Jason yeah, to, to do the. <laughs> we have to fight against two 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 twenty two twenty two. All right, I'm going to tell Jason. I swear to God, Esmeralda, by the next podcast, <laughs> by by Tuesday, we will have Jason Skaggs will do. We will have a, a commercial. I'll tell him to do a full oh, commercial wow. for Esma yeah. Olis Law Firm. Okay? Nice. Okay. Nice. <laughs> Called J.G. Wentworth. Right. We want something like that. 877 cash now. All the classic ones. So 2 2 What's the dude who's like, hey, if you're in a... Uh, well, I mean, you got Peter Francis Geraci, but he's a bankruptcy guy. Right. But he doesn't have music. No, it's just Peter Francis Geraci. Yeah, he's uh, he's just <laughs> yeah, it's just his monotone robot voice. So maybe I should tell Jason to do the voiceover like that. The Esma Olis Law Firm, <laughs> they will help you. Yeah, I'm trying to think who else. They don't have a lot of theme songs. 
I mean, all um, I, I can just think of the two, 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 twenty, two, twenty, two. Yeah, that's a classic <laughs> one. Um, but yeah, that's a good one. And the uh, oh yeah. Um, but well, anyway, so we'll we'll do that. We're, we're, so if you have any law questions, Esmeralda's the lawyer, but and that I'm only who- pertain. To these uh, laws. To these laws. To these laws, laws. right. The weird laws, which we are covering now, and we will cover on another uh, episode. Yeah, I don't don't do any other. That's right. I don't practice any other thing except uh, (laughs) these weird laws. This is Esma the lawyer and Nick the bit. Nick her bitch. That's how how we're going to (laughs) be. Would you like some coffee, Esma? I'll just run and get you some coffee. Uh, Yes, now. Okay, I will have that for you. Seven sugars, eight creams. I remember that. That's right. You're diabetic. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> so the Esma Olazon Law Firm is now created. All right. There we go. Nice. All right. Uh, let's do a couple of more of these. I'm going to hang on to some of these, Esmeralda, because these are ridiculous. Yeah. And by the yeah, way, yeah. now that we've now created a new bit, this is we're going <laughs> to <laughs> we're going to hang on to every weird law, and now it's going to be part of the Esma Olas Law Firm bit yeah. that we're going to be doing. I'm going to essentially um, <laughs> so- go from state to state. Uh, overturning all of these laws and i'll just take notes i'll be like yes ma'am yeah so i have i have a bit ahead of me because i have to go to every city uh on this list right to then argue okay the laws i will and then i don't know i don't know how else you get rid of laws i will i will get you your coffee and set up the car service for you ma'am but i will yeah (laughs) get me some of them books yes ma'am some of them law books some of them law books yes ma'am they're, yeah, they're I, big, don't, I don't. Most of them, I guess. Yes, ma'am. They're made of. They're mo- they're mostly bound in leather, I believe. If that yeah, makes them long. fine. They're, okay. Um, can I get them in sheepskin, please? Of course you can. I will. Yeah, I'll make those calls thank now, you. ma'am. All right, thank you. <laughs> uh, I'll be brewing coffee. All right. So, Esma, the, <laughs> the Esma Olis Law Firm is now in business. All right, mm-hmm. let's do one more here. Uh, how about this one? Uh, yes. Oh, no, no. Go ahead, because I did the last one. I did the fishing one. Oh, okay. So you, uh, so let's, um, this is another one uh, that, that the Esma Olas Law Firm is concerned about. Uh, well, this one, actually, I might, I might just keep. Uh, in Galesburg, no person may keep a smelly dog. That's actually a really good... That, that should be a, a nationwide rule. I would, now, listen, the, you are a dog walker. So this is yes. a personal thing for you, uh, in addition to running the Esma Olas Law Firm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by the way, mm-hmm. how the hell did my name get in there if I'm just a fly? <laughs> I'm just a fly. Uh, your partner, you're just uh, only a name. <laughs> You're like a silent partner, but not, well, your name's there, but you know, right. you don't talk. No, I like it. I won't. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, ma'am. I'm sorry. Uh, you don't, you don't uh, argue or whatever. So practice? Is, so yeah, it, you don't practice. It, no, I don't practice. I just take notes and get you coffee. I'm your bitch. There you go. See? Yeah. Uh, so, so anyway, besides running the Esmolas Law Firm, you are also a dog walker. Do you have any smelly yes. dogs that you walk? I mean, Yeah. <laughs> dogs are smelly you gotta keep it up i mean i honestly don't know how people like keep their dogs not smelling yeah um because they do stink they're just i mean that's kind of their that's their odor mm-hmm. right so but i i feel like sometimes it just gets to be too much although we i do walk i have walked some dogs that are um they're like designer dogs Right. So I think it's kind of been bred out of them. Right. Like uh, yeah. the golden doodles. The um, I have some sheep, some of them sheep dog looking right. dogs. Oh, those are cool dogs. And they don't smell oh, at all. Okay. Like they just, all I right. mean, yeah, they don't smell at all. And I mean, I you was, can't. I actually spent a significant amount of, 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 
I was actually spent a significant amount of time around a dog recently, which I haven't done in a very, very Did long time. Did they smell? No. Uh, <laughs> dog's name is Dog's name is Trixie. Nice. Um, and uh, I, 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 the dog was very friendly and very lovely. Went out uh, and and walked with the dog and hung out with the dog, and uh, was spent like a few hours with the dog. And uh, it was a lovely dog. I don't know what kind of dog it is. Wait, do it, you not like dogs? Or no, what? I do. I'm a cat person. What's the... Okay. But I'm a cat, but the person I was hanging out with, I was hanging out with this girl that I know. And, right. And but you're she, making it sound like it's a miracle that you were hanging out with a dog. Well, I don't, I don't <laughs> go out, I don't go out much and I don't have I know, a but pet. it sounds like you were like, I hung out with this dog and I didn't kick it. No, <laughs> no, no. I don't mean it that way. I actually, but I've just not, I, I it, seriously, it's been years and years since I hung out that with you've any hung kind out with a dog? A dog, seriously, specifically for any amount of time. And this was like hours. I see. Got it. Like hours, like hanging out with the pet, feeding it, like I was giving it treats and shit. And I've not done that <laughs> in a very long. I was, I was walking with the dog during right. a walk. I've not done that, like okay. in many, many years. Like the things I'll tell that you, you it's do- like riding a bike. It is. It is. You never. Forget. But this dog, this dog was really, this dog was really lovely. It was a lovely, and uh, her name is yeah. Trixie. Um, yeah. most dogs are. Yeah. Yeah, but not smelly. The dog, but it, but my my point is, the not dog was not smelly. smelly. Hmm. So Julie Julie takes care of her dog. Does not allow the dog to be very smelly. nice. She would be in in law, or right? I don't know what you call. Would it. Would not have a problem with Esmeralda with es, with Esmeralda's law, the law firm, and and would be fine in in Galesburg. So yes, it's a non smelly dog. It's the way we can. Okay, but you do have some smelly dogs on your route. I mean, yeah, dogs just smell. They do. And then if you don't, like, bathe them on the regular. And also, like, it's kind of annoying. Not annoying. (laughs) But you can't bathe dogs too much because then their skin gets all itchy or whatever. Yeah. So you kind of have to just accept that they're a little stinky. Okay. All right. But not in Galesburg. Not in Galesburg. That's not allowed. <laughs> well, uh, the all their Esm- dogs are just itchy from being. <laughs> They're just like, God damn it! I hate living. every day. Do we have to? Can't we just go over the border and get a bath for Christ's sake? Um, okay. <laughs> no, no, no. You you can't keep smelly dogs. Right. So you have to keep them continually bathe them. I see. Okay. And, or spray and... them with perfume. I guess I don't know. Right. Or does that also constitute a smelly dog? Sure. Even if they smell good. That's not even right. Specified. If they smell too good, it's that's like, no. right. That's, that's <laughs> you douse them right. in you douse them in Jacquard Noir and <laughs> yeah, Paloma Picasso. That's a, yeah, a, too much. Too much. All Illegal. Right. Arrested. Uh, all right. Well, we'll talk more about these laws as the Esma Olas law firm continues. We will uh, close mm-hmm. down for the day, mm-hmm. but uh, the next time yeah. we speak, we will have a, we will have a theme song, Esmeralda. So yeah, I only work for maybe about twenty minutes. So okay. All right, and I, whatever you need, I will give you. I'm your bitch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All I'll right. I'm expecting those books by the end of the day, but I'm I'm working on it, ma'am. Thank you very much. Also, also engraved. I would like my name please. on. Please. Oh my God. Okay. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Please. Please don't yell. In at gold. Me. Please, ma'am, don't yell. Gold like leaf, I guess. <laughs> uh oh. God damn it, Nick. I'm gonna hear and that stitched. a lot. That, okay. And stitched around. The, all right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Did you get all that? I got it all. I have it all. Okay. Trust me. I have a. <laughs> All right, we have to leave now. So uh, <laughs> a leather-bound big... chair. I'd also. All like right, that. I'll get that. <laughs> I'm going to IKEA later. I'll t- I'll build it for you and everything. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, if you want to be a part of the Nifty Pod, 
podcast, you can. Leave us a voicemail, 247-773-417-6948. Email anytime, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to do a logo for us for the Esma Olis Law Firm, please, please yeah. do. <laughs> My thanks to Jason Skaggs. We'll see what he comes up with in that regard. If you want to be a sponsor, uh, hey, reach out to a lot of people. Advertise with us. Sales at radiomisfits.com. Uh, I don't, uh, my, we had a guest fall through, so I don't have anybody coming up. I don't, I can't plug the next guest, but we'll get somebody on. I promise you. Uh, you're going to have a good show. I am. It's going to be good. Well, you're going to be part of it. So right yeah. there, that's enough right there. It's enough for <laughs> done everybody. And done. There it is. Done and done. All right. Thank you for listening to Radio Misfits. Please take the time to rate and review us on every platform. We are on the Radio Misfits podcast network, and, uh, we will see you next time on the Nick D podcast. Thanks everybody. Thanks everybody.